A word for today, Lions Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. Welcome back to A Word for Today. It's Saturday the 23rd of January and we are in 2 Peter. I'm going to read now chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see how Peter there is describing the Bible. Men speaking from God as they are carried along by the Holy Spirit. Of course it is in the past tense because it's a word that was written down in the past tense. But we mustn't allow uh, that to make us think that it is a historic word. It is not God speaking to us now. Because Peter has compared that word with hearing the living word of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. Actually hearing God the Father speak from heaven and saying, you have something more sure than that, something to which you would do well to pay attention. The written word of God, the prophetic word, the word that comes through men, channeled through men, but by God. A word that speaks to our hearts, a word that stirs us up with lasting reminders of the truth. What a wonderful uh, reason Peter is giving to Uh, make us pay attention to this word of God. We want our hearts kindled, don't we? And we want to be stirred up to action. But now he provides something else. And he is telling us that this word teaches us the truth. Let's come back to verse 20. He says, knowing this first of all. So here is something of primary importance, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Now that word for interpretation just means explanation. He's saying the understanding of Scripture is not something that comes from man. You see, it's easy to think of Scripture uh, like a kind of table of ingredients. And uh, the cook comes into the kitchen and looks at the table and selects some and then cooks up something. Now you come in and you're very good at Christmas puddings and I come in and I'm very good at cheese omelets. So you cook your Christmas pudding and I cook my cheese omelet and they are both presented as interpretations of the Bible. Well, that's quite wrong. What Peter is saying here is that the interpretation of the Bible is not a human thing. It is a divine thing. What he is saying is that the Bible presents its own meaning. The Bible is, if you like, fact plus interpretation of that fact. Now, I want to give you an example of that from uh, 1 Peter. If we go back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we find these words. For Christ also suffered. That word for suffered is the word that in some versions is, uh, has died, But it means the same thing. It's describing the passion of Christ, the suffering of Christ, which was his death, the crucifixion of Christ. So it's saying, for Christ also suffered or was crucified or died 
once, and then it gives the interpretation. Why did Christ die? Was it to set an example? Was it to make our world a better place? Was it uh, to model the moral values of the kingdom? Was it simply to provide comfort for the suffering? Was it to elicit the sympathy of the human race? Was it to make poverty history? Was it to clean up our environment? Was it to encourage social action? Well, you see, because the Bible also provides an interpretation as well as a record of the fact, we have the answer to those questions. It's this. It's in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. There is the interpretation. So it presents the historical fact. Christ suffered. Christ died. No, no reliable historian would deny that. But it now provides with that fact in the very same verse its interpretation. He died for sins. That is the gospel interpretation. And it goes on to say, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's a wonderful picture of the great central doctrine of the cross of Jesus Christ, penal substitutionary atonement. It says that the righteous one, Jesus Christ, took the place of the unrighteous, his people. He bore their sins because he was able to. He had no sins of his own to pay for. And so he paid for their sins. Why did he do it? Answer, not to make this world a better place, but rather that he might bring us to God, that we might be reconciled to Almighty God, that he might clear away what is between us and God, that is to say, our sin. Jesus died to put that right, and that is the interpretation that the Bible gives. It's an interpretation that much theology denies, but is inextricably intertwined with all the facts that we find in the Bible. It's pictured in every part of the Bible. It's only the wickedness um, of humankind that denies that. It's the perverseness of humanity that denies what it doesn't want to know. But that is clearly the meaning of the Bible. And that's a wonderful thing because it tells us that the Bible, we go to the Bible not just for the facts, but for the interpretation of those facts. We don't have to go to eminent theologians to have them explained to us. They are explained to us in the Bible. The Bible provides its own interpretation. And so if you ever hear an interpretation that seems strange or that you've never encountered before, how do you check it out? You don't go to another theologian He'll probably give you an even stranger interpretation. No, you go back to the Bible. You say, what does the Bible say about that? That's the interpretation I need. You see, the Bible also guards us against false teachers. If we go the other way, if we go about three pages on from where we are in 2 Peter, if we go to 2 John, verses 10 to 11, we have these verses. Here is the Apostle John writing, to a Christian, and he says this, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. What John is referring there to is, a, is an ostensible insider, 
a Christian who claims to be teaching but is not teaching the gospel. And what John says to the person is we should not receive such people even into our homes. Whatever ecclesiastical titles they might have, however senior they might be in the general senate or whatever position they might hold, if they do not bring that teaching, you should have nothing to do with them. Why? Because if you do, you are actually taking part in their wicked work, which is to conceal the truth of the Bible. So here is a marvelous thing that we are learning about the written word of God. It doesn't just kindle our hearts. It doesn't just stir us up to action. It actually teaches us the truth. It gives us the reference points we need to see through false teaching and to know what really is the truth in every situation. We'll come back to this passage for one last time tomorrow. Father, thank you for those wonderful things that we are learning about your written word. Please, would we love it. Please, would we uh, respect it as we respect you. Please, would we be willing to pay attention to it and to rest our lives upon it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today, helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.